this week from GNC Week in Review, powered by Geek News Central. Disney drops NBC Universal and now owns Hulu. TurboTax, TurboTax gets sued. A lot of news in the streaming news block, plus a lot of news in the Google block. Those are some of the tech news stories this week. And it's Friday, May 17th, 2019. My name is Kirk Corliss, and it's episode 23 of the GNC Week in Review podcast, part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Thank you so much for tuning in for this week's episode. And if you are a new listener, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast, where you can find the right-hand side column at gncweekly.com, be it Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, your favorite podcast app for Android, or on TuneIn, Spotify, and Stitcher. Get connected with GNCWI be it social media or email at gncweekly.com slash connect. I am so sorry that there was no episode last week as I was not feeling well. So I am for sure going to make up for this week with a lot of tech news. So we're going to jump in with that news and also from geeknewscentral.com from this week. And to start off the news is the Google News Block. Google and Walmart have been called to testify before the U.S. Senate on how the use of algorithm, algorithms and AI by websites can affect users. The hearing set for Tuesday, May 21st, before the Commerce Committee's Subcommittee on Communication, Technology, Innovation, and the Internet, will, quote, examine how algorithmic, algorithmic decision-making and machine learning on internet platforms influence the public. This is on a description on the Commerce Committee's committee site. Continuing, quote, witnesses will, pro- will provide insights on ways technology companies use algorithms and machine learning to dictate outcomes. The subcommittee chaired by Senator John Thune will also look into what pol- policy responses should be made such as algorithm explanation or transparency. Google's director of user experience, Maggie Stanfill, and Walmart's for, former head of behavioral science, Jason Hura, are slated to testify. The hearing called Optimizing for Engagement, Understanding the Use of Pervasive Technology on Internet Platforms. That's a mouthful. It will also feature testimony from an MIT assistant professor, professor of marketing, Dean Eccles, and a co-founder of the Center for Humane Technology, Tristan Harris. Walmart didn't immediately respond to request for comment. Google said it had nothing further to add beyond its participation. Also, Google on Tuesday announced an expansion of its advertising real estate to Bruce boost revenues from mobile shoppers. It will feature ads on the homepage of its smart app, smartphone app worldwide, show more ads and maps, and place ads with image galleries and search results. The changes come as choppy revenue growth prompt questions from some Alphabet investors about whether services such as Amazon.com, Inc., excuse me, and Facebook, Inc.'s Instagram are drawing online shoppers and in turn advertisers away from Google. Google executives told reporters on Monday the latest features were responsive to how users behave, not competition. The uh, Oliver Heckman, vice president of engineering for travel and shopping, says the company wants to uh, the company wants it make the company wants it wants to make it easier for users to discover and buy new products because they shop in spurs while watching TV or sitting in the bathroom. He also says, quote, it actually changed with mobiles and what users expect from online service like Google. The ads on the Google homepage appear on what the company calls its Discover feature, a Facebook-style news feed that users swipe through to, inter- to view an, an algorithmic, excuse me, 
this word is bad, algorithmically personalized set of links to articles, videos, and other online content. The company said on Monday that ads would run wherever Discover is available, including on its mobile website, but clarified on Tuesday, <clears throat> excuse me, but clarified on Tuesday that ads would only be in the Google app. Google tested ads on Discover last year, where when it said it, when it said more than 800 million people were using the feature monthly. The gallery ads are part of an effort to make sure to make search results more visual. Ads with uh, ads with several images are expected to garner more clicks, which could lead them to being shown more results. Executive said. Google has continuing in the Google News. Google has agreed to settle a class action lawsuit brought by owners of the original Google Pixel, who said the company knowingly sold handsets with defective microphones. Pending the court's approval, Google could pay up to five hundred dollars to certain Pixel owners for a total settlement of seven point twenty-five million dollars. Pixel and Pixel XL devices manufactured before before January fourth, twenty seventeen, are covered by a lawsuit. The proposed settlement, excuse me, the proposed settlement groups owners of the 2016 Google Pixel and Google Pixel XL into four categories to determine the level of compensation to determine the level of compensation to which they're entitled. The highest payout is due to be owed to anyone who returned a Pixel with a defective with a defective microphone only to receive another defective device from the manufacturer. These claimants could be paid up to $500 in the settlement. Any owner, any owners who had just a single defective device could get up to $350, while anyone who had to pay an insurance deductible could have its value repaid. Even Pixel owners who experienced no issues with their phones at all could get up to $20 from the settlement. This isn't the only lawsuit that Google has agreed to sell this year. Back in April, the search giant agreed to settle a lawsuit relating to Nexus, Nexus 6P devices, which suffered from a bug that could trap them in a boot-looping issue. As part of that lawsuit, Google and the phone's manufacturer Huawei agreed to a $9.75 million settlement. A final decision on that lawsuit is due to be made after a hearing on October 10th. Since the court has yet to give its final approval in the Pixel microphone case, the link to the link excuse me, the link to submit a claim, the claim form isn't live yet. You can register to receive updates by filling out a form with the law form conducting the case. I'll have a link in the show notes from theverge.com. A hearing to decide whether to grant preliminary approval for the settlement is due to place on, is due to take place on June 5th. Google did not, did not, excuse me, Google did not merely respond to request, respond to request for comment. Google is combining its travel rate is <laughs> sorry. Google is combining its travel related products, the mobile Google, the mobile Google Trips app, Google Flights, Google's hotel search, and more under a single landing page aptly called Trips. Now, when you visit Google.com/travel, you'll first find Trips, which lets users plan their travel by searching a destination to find options for flights, hotels travel guides or vacation packages and once you book your trip whether the whether through the google tour or not you can use trips to see all the booking receipts to outline your itinerary confirmation codes and travel information and present them alongside weather reports on your travel dates additionally if you additionally if you track flight if you track flight prices on a google search the Trips page will also display updates for any changes that occur. According to Google, Trips will, will soon show hotels you viewed in, who, who you 
will soon show hotels you viewed in case you still need to make a booking still need to make booking arrangements. The new trips landing page is now live on the web. Google Google did not specify how this will in fact impact the Google Trips mobile app, which is currently used a competitor triplet for displaying travel itineraries offline. It did say, however, that these trips features will be accessible through Google Maps in the coming months. In the video streaming news block, Disney and Comcast announced a deal saying that Disney will assume full operational control of Hulu effective immediately. In turn, Disney and Comcast have entered a, quote, put call agreement, which means that as early as 20, January 2024, Comcast can require NBC, can require Disney to buy NBC Universal's 33% interest in Hulu. On the flip side, Disney can require NBC Universal to sell its interest in Hulu by January 24 by January 2024 for fair market value. Fair market value will be assessed will be assessed at the time of sale, but Disney has guaranteed Comcast a minimum sale price of 27.5 billion dollars for the remaining stake in Hulu. As part of the agreement, Comcast has agreed to extend Hulu's licensing of NBC Universal content until late 2024. That means despite Disney's immediate takeover, Hulu will retain NBC Universal content for the next few years. This goes on-demand content as well as Hulu Live. However, the agreement also states that NBC Universal will be able to run certain content on its own streaming service within one year's time in exchange for reduced for reduce relicensing licensing fee for Hulu. Reportedly, Comcast is preparing an NBC streaming service to launch sometime in 2020 at a price point below $12 per month. NBC Universal will also be able to terminate most of its content licensing agreement within Hulu in three years. Disney already owns already owned a whopping 66% of the streaming service, a stake that evolved over time, and as Disney won battles against Comcast and Fox. Last year, Hulu was evenly divided between Disney, Fox, and Comcast, but Disney gained a controlling stake when it struck a major deal with 20, 20th Century Fox. Comcast, through its property, NBC Universal, retained the remaining 30%, 30%, 30%, 30%, 33% interest in Hulu until today. Last month, Hulu bought back a 10% stake from AT&T, as well as in a deal valued at $1.43 billion, leaving, AT- leaving Disney excuse me, leaving AT- leaving Disney with almost complete control of Hulu and its future. Speaking of AT&T in this block, and I'll have a link up in the show notes from CNET.com on a review of AT&T's Watch TV. Uh, it'll get breaks down how it compares to other um, streaming services, um, the channels, um, uh, using the service. Should you get it? Um, so I'll link up in the show notes. You can check out on uh, on AT and T's um, on AT and T's uh, Watch TV, uh, AT and T Watch TV. Excuse me. And there's other news from AT&T a little bit later. The owner of a popular post-fight boxing commentary channel on YouTube is demanding that UFC stops taking down his videos, which only use still images from fights with help from the Electronic Frontier Foundation. Boxing Now's John McKay points out that his videos are fair use, adding that unwarranted takedowns notices harm his business. Copyright enforcement on YouTube is a growing source, growing source of frustration, particularly the overbroad takedown efforts. Many channel operators and users have complained of parent abuse, but most don't go for any further than that. John McKay, owner of the popular channel Boxing Now, is an exception. 
On his channel, McKay releases videos with post-fight commentary, popular fights. With hundreds of thousands of subscribers, he amassed a sizable audience over the years. The channel also comments on matches from the from the ultimate also comments matches from the UFC you know, Ultimate Fighting Championship. Since McKay hasn't cleared the rights to these broadcasts, he doesn't use video footage from these fights. Instead, he shows a few still images commenting on commenting on these. Nonetheless, the UFC is not happy with his coverage as the organization has sent five takedown notices targeting Boxing Now videos. These are not automated content ID flags, but actual takedown notices which result in the videos being removed from YouTube. McKay believes that his work is a clear case of fair use, so in response sent counter notices, counter no, counter no, counter notices for each takedown. The UFC hasn't responded to any of these, which means that YouTube restored the videos. However, at that point, most harm was already done. McKay says, um, quoting, commenting on the issue, quote, my videos are, are most often viewed in the days immediately after a fight. And when UFC has taken them down a few days with these unfair copyright claims, I lose a lot of viewers and a significant amount of money. Frustrated by the continued takedown, excuse me, McKay, McKay decided to take a stand. He reached out to the Electronic Frontier Foundation to help him address the matter. The EFF was happy happy to oblige, and this week, this week, attorney Alex Moss sent a letter to the UFC demanding that it stops sending unwarranted notices. In the letter, Moss goes over the four factors of fair use, concluding that all weigh in the channel operators' favor. For example, the videos are transformative, only use a few frames of the copyrighted content, and do not compete with the original broadcast. Um, Mr. Moss um, writes, <clears throat> uh, Mr. McKay's post-flight, post-fight commentary could not and did not affect the market for a live broadcast recording the, the recording of the entire fight. If anything, Mr. McKay's use of still images for commentary purposes will likely increase the demand for the original. The EFF's attorney points out that the uh, that the Uf that UFC has an obligation to consider fair use before sending a takedown request, as determined in the Lens versus Universal case. The repeated notices targeting Boxing Now's videos indicate that the UFC has failed to meet this obligation, which harms the channel's business. When the videos are taken down shortly after being posted, McKay is missing a lot of YouTube is missing a lot of views and therefore ad revenue. Added to that, the takedown notices also put his channel at risk as YouTube may terminate accounts after re repeat infringements. Moss writes also continuing, uh, quote, we note, that the, we note that UFC also produces YouTube videos containing post-fight commentary and that Mr. McKay's videos and UFC videos may compete for viewership and advertising revenue. This further suggests that UFC's takedown of Mr. McKay's videos were done in bad faith. The channel operator therefore demands that the UFC stop issuing unwarranted takedown requests the EFF requests that the organization confirms his attention before the end of the month. He, uh, Mr. Musk uh, finishes and uh, concludes saying, quote, According, accordingly, excuse me, accordingly, we demand that you, that we demand that you cease sending takedown notices for Mr. McKay's videos that make fair use of still images from UFC fights. Please confirm your agreement to do so by May 28th, 2019. Speaking with Torrent Freak, Moss says she cannot go into detail about any potential follow-up steps. The the EFC, uh, she says she hopes that the letter has some effect and that the UFC stops sending wrongful takedown notices. 
She tells uh, Torrent Free, quote, it's not much to expect copyright owners to consider whether something is actually infringes before coming before cutting off people access uh, before people's access. In the show notes um, over on um, CNET, uh, on CNET.com, uh, there's um, a new uh, TV show um, called uh, Patrick Stewart is coming back to the world of Star Trek as Jean-Luc Picard. Um, it's titled Beyond CBS All Access. Um, it's called um, Star Trek Picard. There's everything that um, the cast, the plot, the release date, uh, all the details um, in the show notes for you to check out. Also in the show notes, um, also on um, CNET.com, every new movie and show on Amazon in June of 2019. Um, Just a few movies coming in June, District 9, Jackass 3D, um, The Spy Who Dumped Me, um, uh, Bankroll, uh, Clean Guys Economy, some of these titles or shows I never heard of. But I'm a full. There's a there's a very healthy list of um, TV shows and movies um, that they can check out um, in the show notes on on the uh, movies and shows coming to Amazon on June 2019. And wrapping up this block, and this got me excited. The Orville will be renewed for a third season. Um, that was confirmed over the weekend, according to Deadline. Even before. Uh, even before Fox confirmed the third season, the Orville was approved for $15.8 million in the last round of TV tax credits. That's, off, that's offered on a state-by-state basis throughout the U.S. to encourage in-state film production. That's up from the $14.5 million incentive the show got for season two. While landing a tax credit did not guarantee a pickup, it certainly improved the chances. The series reportedly also has strong report, has also has strong support from the network. The Orville has developed a devoted fan base, although season two dropped in ratings compared to the first season. According to Deadline, the new season averaged 5.4 million total viewers, compared to an average of 10.7 million during the show's first season. The series had an impressive list had an impressive list of directors behind the camera in both seasons, including John Favreau, uh, right Robert Robert Duncan McNeil, Brandon Braga, and Jonathan Frakes. There is no word yet on how many episodes will be in the third season or when it will air. More details could be announced at San Diego at San Diego Comic-Con in July or New York Comic-Con in October. Season two of The Orville can be viewed on demand on Fox Now and Hulu. It's also available on Fox.com in the U.S. You can buy the first season of The Orville on DVD. Yes, DVDs are still out there. And you can also get a season pass from Amazon. I encourage everyone out there to check out the show and love to hear what you all think about the about the show if you have watched it uh or if you want to take a look and give me your thoughts about it um head over to gncweekly.com forward slash connect be it social or email love to hear from you andrew from geeknewscentral.com's writing team has a post up about the one plus uh the one plus seven and it's uh, seven series along with his thoughts uh has the he goes over the breakdown of the 7 Pro, the specs, um, the the cameras, um, uh, the, the colors, etc., and the pricing availability, the pricing availability, etc. So I will link up in the show notes that you can check that out. Uber drivers are independent contractors, not employees of the ride-hailing company. The Federal Labor Board General Counsel said, General Counsel said in an opinion released May 14th. 
the opinion authored April 16th by Jamie Sophia, Associated General Counsel at the National Labor at the National Labor Relations Board means that drivers will have a much harder time to form a union, file labor complaints, or seek protections from the federal government. It states drivers virtually complete control of their cars, work schedules, and login locations together with their freedom to work for competitors of Uber provided, quote, this opinion lines up with Uber's own stance on its driver on its drivers. The company classified them as independent contractors, arguing they are in business for themselves and thus ineligible for additional, for additional benefits like overtime, minimum wage protection, and health insurance. Some Uber drivers contest that classification, though and argue that Uber's algorithm exerts far too much control over their lives to be viewed otherwise. Many have sued Uber, but most of those cases have been sent to private arbitration. A Uber spokesperson said, said Tuesday, quote, we are focused on improving the quality and security of independent work while, preser while preserving the flexibility drivers and encouraging while preserving the flexibility drivers and couriers tell they value. Uber said it settled with a large majority of the 60,000 drivers in the U.S. who filed arbitration demands over their employment status. Uber said the settlement will cost between $146 million and $170 million, according to its IPO filing. In March, the company said it settled it said it settled two other lawsuits with drivers of classification status for $20 million. Last week, hundreds of, dri of Uber drivers went on strike ahead of the company's much-anticipated IPO. Drivers said they want better working conditions and more, transparen more transparency from Uber over wages and access to the platform. Uber's stock price dropped has dropped precipitously since the IPO and concerns over the company's lack of profitability and a broader market crunch. Um, Laura Payden, senior staff attorney with the National Employment Law Project, said in a statement, quote, this, NRL, this NLRB advice memo ignore, ignores the reality of Uber's relationship with its drivers and the myriad ways in which it controls the terms and conditions of their work. But it's hardly a surprise coming from a Trump administration, which has, same, which has shamefully sided with big money corporate interests over working people at every turn. In Apple news this week, Apple will need to raise the price of the iPhone by 14% in order to offset the costs of new tariffs, J.P. Morgan estimates. The iPhone XS price would go up to go from $1,000 to $1,142, a firm calculates, if the White House implements a 25% tariff on the rest of China imports. Bank of America estimates a 20% increase to the iPhone if Apple decides to move iPhone manufacturing to the U.S., but... Analysts say Apple is likely to absorb it, but analysts say Apple is, li is likely to absorb the tariff cost and passing on to its consumers. You can now use Apple Pay to make purchases from iTunes, the Apple Store, the App Store, and App Books. Mac rumored spotted the chains in a recently updated support document. The added pay options are coming to users in the U.S., Canada. Australia, Singapore, Hong Kong, Taiwan, Russia, Ukraine, and the United Arab Emirates, but they not be, but they might not be available in all these locations just yet. The for eligible purchases, you now have you'll now have the added security benefits of Apple Pay. The update comes just ahead of the Apple's card launch this summer. And Gadget reported previously one incentive to use the card will be two percent cash back when you use Apple Pay and three percent back if it's if it's for 
3% back if it's for purchases from Apple. This change will make it easier to rack up those cash back perks. Intuit, the company behind America's most popular tax filing software, was sued this week for seemingly hiding a free version of its products from search engines. The class action lawsuit from TurboTax users from across the United States was lodged in San Francisco and joins one filed last week by the Los Angeles City Attorney on behalf of the people of California, also against Intuit. Both in, both lawsuits claim that Intuit's use of HTML meta tags to prevent search engines from indexing the website where the free software is available led to is available led to people being in, quote intentionally misled and deprived of the opportunity to make an informed decision about their tax filing service. In other words, people went straight to the paid for system not knowing there was a free alternative. Under agreement with the eternal revenue with the Internal Revenue Service, tax software companies offer free filing versions of their products for those earning under a certain amount, typically $66,000 a year. In return, the IRS not the in return the IRS agrees not to return produce its own in return the IRS agrees not to produce its own tax filing software. The the San Francisco lawsuit uh, file lawsuit, excuse me, notice noted excuse me, quote, TurboTax marketed its paid offering as free guaranteed so that qualified taxpayers believe they were filing the taxes pursuant to the free to the free filing program, only to be hit with unexpected charges after they already spent hours entering information and were getting ready to file. One of the plaintiffs one of the plaintiffs in that lawsuit, Brianna Sinohi Sinohi, S-I-N-O-H-U-I says she was charged $179 to file her taxes through TurboTax, even though she was eligible to file for free since she was since she earned $34,000 in 2018. Likewise, Michelle Arena, who paid $86 to Intuit to file when she earned less than $22,000. Student Joseph Brower, Brower, B-R-O-U-G-H-E-R, also paid $86 a file for his income, the file for his income of under $6,000. Sinui lives in California, a radiant in New York, and Brower in Pennsylvania. The lawsuit, the lawsuit also alleges that Intuit has broken state tape. The lawsuit also alleges that Intuit has broken state, state trade practices acts and business class in each of those states, potentially opening the company up to a U.S.-wide class action lawsuit. It also claims that Intuit's customer service representatives misled consumers in a number of different ways, including pushing the free edition and freedom edition of the software, neither of which are actually free. On Wednesday, the Federal Communication Commission announced a new measure that would grant mobile phone carriers new abilities to block the growing number of unwanted robocalls. The new rule would make it easier for carriers like AT&T, Verizon, and T-Mobile to automatically register their customers for call blocking technology. As of right now, customers have to Customers have to opt in on their own. It will also allow customers to block calls coming from phone numbers that are not on their contacts list. Commissioners are expected to vote on the measure at their June 6th meeting. FCC, excuse me, FCC Chairman 
Ajit Pai said, quote, allowing call blocking by default could be a big benefit for consumers who are sick and tired of robocalls. But making it clear that such call blocking is allowed, the FCC will give voice service providers the legal certainty they need to block unwanted, call, unwanted calls from the outset so that, so that consumers never have to get them. Robocalls are getting worse, according to reports. Over 48 billion robocalls were placed in the U.S. in 2018 alone. Last November, Pi wrote letters to some of the U.S. Prom U.S.'s prominent carriers requesting they deploy a pair of new new call authentication protocols, stir shaken internet networks by the end of this year. Once fully launched, the protocols will notify customer when a call is coming from a legitimate source and not a, spoof, and not a spoofed number. This week, Pi said that the FCC is also looking to provide a safe harbor for carriers to block unauthenticated calls. Also, a man who threatened to kill Pi's family was sentenced to 20 months in prison. Markara Mann, a man, excuse me, a 33-year-old from California, pleaded guilty on August 30th, 31st, excuse me, 2018, after making threats to Pi because he disagreed with the FCC's repeal of net neutrality, of net neutrality rules. In one email to Pi, man wrote, quote, I will find your children and kill them. Uh, U.S. Attorney G. Zachary Terwilliger of the, uh, the Eastern District of Virginia said in a Justice, Justice Department announcement of the sentencing, sentencing, excuse me, quote, threatening to kill an actual federal, threatening to kill, to actually kill a federal official's family because of disagreement or policy is not only excusable, it is criminal. The case was heard at the U.S. District Court for the Eastern District of Virginia. Mann was sentenced to 20 months in prison with credit for time served, all, along with supervised release for three years with special conditions. Those conditions include participating in a substance abuse program and mental health treatment, as well as paying, quote, any outstanding balancing towards location monitoring financial obligation. During the, during the supervisor release, Mann will not be allowed to use or possess a, possess a computer without probation office approval, and he will have to comply with computer monitoring requirements. Days after the FCC 2017 vote to repeal of net neutrality rules, Mann sent three emails to Pi. Uh, the, the announcement continues... The Justice Department announcement continues. The first, excuse me, the first email accused Chairman Pai of being responsible for a child who allegedly had committed suicide because of the repeal of net neutrality net neutrality regulations. The second email listed three locations in or around Arlington and threatened to kill the chairman's family members. The third email had no message in its body, but included an image depicting had an image depicting Chairman Pai, and in the foreground and slightly out of focus, a frame and and slightly excuse me and slightly out of focus, a frame photograph of Chairman Pai and his family. The FBI traced the traced the, the FBI traced the emails to Mann's residence in Norwalk, California. And when initially confronted in May 2018, Mann admitted to the FBI that he sent the admitted to the FBI that he sent the email threatening Chairman Pai's family. Mann, Mann pleaded guilty to the crime of intimidating, interfering with, or retaliating against retaliating against a federal officer, official, excuse me, federal official, by threatening to murder a family member, to threaten to murder a family member, he could have faced as much as 10 years in prison. 
When Mann admitted making the threats, he told federal law enforcement officers that he was angry about the net neutrality repeal because, quote, they pretty much ignored like 80% of comments. They ignored us and just didn't care. Uh, This is according to an FBI affidavit. Mann's attorney attributed his actions to mental illness, telling the court that his client was being successfully treated. After Mann's guilty plea last year, Pai issued a statement thanking law enforcement and FCC security officials for, quote, their hard work protecting, protecting my family and me. Hackers from Russia gained access to Florida databases in two counties before the 20s before the 20 presidential election, which says Governor Ron DeSantis. DeSantis and, excuse me, DeSantis and state law enforcement State law enforcement officials learned about the intrusion from the F- F- from the FBI and Homeland Security last week. Though he can re- he can he cannot reveal which counties were affected per a non-disclosure agreement, the FBI is uh, the FBI is set to brief members of Congress on the situation and uh, DeSantis' predecessor, Senator Rick Scott. The Mueller report on Russia interference in 2016 mentioned hackers gained access to at least one. Florida's county network. DeSantis, who came into office in January, didn't know of the intrusion beforehand, and nor did Scott, according to a spokesman. Uh, DeSantis says, uh, said, according to the Associated Press, quote, we're trying to figure out what the state, what the state knew at the time. The hackers were able to access the databases after an employee clicked a link in a phishing email. The same method, excuse me, Excuse me. The same method used to gain access to Hillary campaign, Hillary Clinton campaign, John Podesta's emails. In the tech tips block this week, I will link. Uh, these are linked up in the um, show notes. I have over on um, makeuseup.com the um, uh, the difference in choosing um, either a new budget um, phone or an old flagship phone. Uh, Long list there um, on AndroidCentral.com, the best Amazon Fire tablets for uh, for, the, for for this uh, for May 2018, um, best uh, deal on the upgraded Amazon Fire tablet, best Fire tablet for kids, um, best discounted bundle of Amazon Fire tablets, and there's a little bit more, and I'll have a link up in the show notes you can check out, and also a link up in the show notes over on Engadget.com, the the best universal remote. Gives a review on their choice. Uh, their choice on on that to have. I'll have a link up in the show notes. <clears throat> Excuse me. Walmart has introduced its answer to Amazon's one-day shipping for Prime subscribers. The retail giant's next-day delivering offering is in Phoenix and Las Vegas, and will be available for online customers in Southern California over the next few days. Walmart says introducing introducing the feature is a smart business move for the company because it actually costs less to ship out multiple go- multiple goods in a single box from a fulfillment center located close to the customer than to ship out multiple box multiple boxes from all over the country. The retail giant will roll out the offering to more locations in the coming months, including 40 of the top 50 major cities in the U.S., with the intention of making it accessible to 75% of the U.S. population by the end of the year. Facebook has unveiled a one-strike policy for live streaming violations in the wake of extreme right terrorist attack in New Zealand, the company announced. It said users who violate community standards just a single time on Facebook Live could be banned from streaming for a set time depending on the nature of this violation. 
Um, Integrity VP Guy Rosen says, quote, our goal is to minimize risk of abuse on live while enabling people to use live in a positive way every day. The policy applies not just to violations on Facebook live streaming alone. Users can also be banned from live streaming. They share links to statements from terrorist groups without any context. For instance, uh, Rosen said that Facebook plans to expand the restrictions to other parts of the platform and soon users who violate its standards will no longer be able to will no longer be able to create ads in March excuse me in March a white nationalist terrorist live stream a horrific attack on mosques in Christchurch New Zealand Facebook was roundly criticized for not removing the stream quickly enough and leaving copies online for a lengthy period following the attack after revealing that Facebook Facebook found more than 900 videos showing portions of the attack. COO Cheryl Sandberg admitted that the company needed to do more. Facebook also promised to do more to find harmful videos and remove them more quickly. As such, it pledged $7.5 million toward research with universities like Cornell and US Berkeley, USC Berkeley, excuse me, on quote, image and video analysis technology. Sony also has already confirmed that it's working on its next-generation console. The company has also pointed out that the console won't be out before next year. A new report about the price and release date of the PlayStation 5 suggests that the console is going to be released November next year for $499. Respected Sony analyst Hideki Yasuda predicts that Sony is... Sony is going to release its next-generation climbing console in November 2020. He also predicts in his latest quarterly analyst report for the ACE ACE Research Institute that the console will be priced at $499. The analyst also predicts a strong start for the PlayStation 5 when it does arrive. Sony is expected to to sell 6 million units of the PS5 in the first year alone, followed by 15 million units in the second year. From what it's known about the console full, uh, so far, it's going to have AMD Ryzen CPU with eight cores based on the company's new 7NM Zen 2 microarchitecture. Micro it also gets a new Radeon GPU. It also gets a new Radeon GPU that's capable of ray tracing. Excuse me. That's it also get a new Radeon GPU. It's, I said it twice. I apologize. That's capable of ray tracing, SSD storage, and custom 3D audio. Uber has announced the launch of a new feature called Quiet Mode. This is a feature that will be free to users, but only applicable towards Uber Black and Uber Black SUV premium riders. Users will be able to choose between a quote quiet preferred mode, quote happy ch- happy to chat or select, quote, no preference if they don't really care. Speaking to TechCrunch, uh, Uber product manager Aydin Gajar, Aydin Gajar, G-H-A-J-I-R, said, quote, we're looking to, <clears throat> excuse me, we're looking to create more differentiation from the between the premium products and the regular products to encourage more trips. He also adds uh, that apparently quiet, apparently quiet mode is something that people have been asking for a long time. What's trending this week from GNC WIR last week on Google Trends and speaking of Uber with a million plus searches for Uber stock on Twitter at number two, Sam West. And if you don't know who that is, he is Kim Kardashian and Conway, Kanye West latest addition to the world, a baby boy. And his name is Sam West. And finally, over on YouTube, trending at number five with 3.3 million views, the world's largest jello pool. 
And the question, can you swim in it? By looks of it, I don't think so. In the previous episode, there was a story about the Impossible Burger, and I want to make a correction somewhat. It's uh, Burger King's Impossible Whopper, and the Whopper is going on tour. The Meatless Whoppers debut, debuted in St. Louis, Missouri earlier this month. It was such a success that Burger King has plans to roll out all across the country. It arrived in three new markets, Miami, Montgomery, Alabama, and Columbus, Georgia, and to kick things off, an impossible Whopper tour bus will roll through each city, offering games, music, and freebies. The impossible Whopper tour bus stopped the stopped in Miami on Thursday. Then we'll go to Columbus and Montgomery, and you can track the tour locations on Burger King's Facebook page. I'll have a link in the show notes um, that you can check it out for that. And finally, this was all over Facebook, Twitter, and across the interwebs. Grumpy Cat, one of the internet's most famous cats, died this week due to um, complications with a urinary tract infection. She was over. Uh, she was over. She was just over seven years old. Grumpy Grumpy's cat's owners announced her death on social media with a post celebrating how her unique disposition, how her unique disposition, says, says quote, excuse me, help, excuse me, helped millions of people smile, helped min, millions of people smile all across the world. The cat whose new, whose real name was Tartar Sauce rose in fame after a Reddit post went viral in 2012 when she was just five months old. Grumpy Cat quickly became a meme with images with image macros posted on top of the viral photo playing off her remarkably displeased look. Her owner says her perpetual frown and small size are due to feline dwarfism. She appeared on talk shows, drew crowds at S- uh, South by Southwest, and appeared in promotions for Cheerios and Friskies. At one point, Excuse me. At one point, at one point, excuse me. At one point, Lifetime even made a Grumpy Cat holiday movie, Grumpy Cat's Worst Christmas Ever. It was directed by the guy who made the 2007 Alvin and the Chipmunks movie, and it had Aubrey Plaza voicing Grumpy Pat. And um, on the uh, Grumpy Grumpy Cat's Twitter page at Real Grumpy Cat. Um, it says, quote, we are unthinkably, unimaginably heartbroken to announce the love of our beloved grumpy cat. Despite cat from top professionals as well as from her loving family, grumpy, uh, grumpy encountered complications from a recent tract infection that unfortunately became too tough for her to overcome. She passed away peaceably on the morning of Tuesday, May 14th at the home in the, in the arms of her mommy, Tabitha. Besides being our baby and, cher- and a cherished member of the family, Grumpy Cat has helped millions of people smile all around the world, even when times were tough. Her spirit will continue to live on through her fans everywhere. Signed, um, Grumpy's family, Tabitha, Brian, and Crystal. Rest in peace, Grumpy Cat. And that is the tech news of the week for Friday, May 17th, 2019. Thank you so much for tuning in for this week's episode. Show notes from this episode can be found at gncweekly.com. Also, to be sure to check out the latest tech news and commentary from geeknewscentral.com. Got a comment, thought, want to say hi? Love to hear from the GNCWIR community at gncweekly.com forward slash connect. I will be back for another episode of the GNC Week in Review. Week in review podcast. Till then, I will talk to you all soon.